0: You are now listening to The Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified.
1: Hi, and welcome to The Blackest Questions. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Greer, politics editor for The Griot and associate professor of political science at Fordham University. In this podcast, we ask our guests five of the blackest questions so we can learn a little bit more about them and have some fun while we're doing it. We're also going to learn a lot about Black history, past and present. So here's how this works. We have five rounds of questions about us. Black history, the entire diaspora, current events, you name it. And with each round, the questions get a little tougher and the guest has 10 seconds to get it right. If they answer the question correctly, they'll receive one symbolic black fist and they'll hear this. And if they get it wrong, they'll hear this. But we still love them anyway. Our guest for this episode is four-time Olympic medalist, Cullen Jones. He's a history maker himself. He's the first black swimmer to hold a world record. He was also a part of the legendary 2008 world-record-setting 400-meter freestyle relay team, a record that has yet to be broken. That team, consisting of Cullen, Michael Phelps, Garrett Weber-Gale, and Jason Lezak, brought home a gold medal in what is considered one of the most iconic moments in Olympics history. Cullen is now retired from swimming, is a husband, father, and water safety advocate and ambassador, making it his mission to close the color gap in swimming, and teach as many people
0: to swim as possible.
1: Colin, I am super excited to have you here with yeah. us today. Are you ready to play the Blackest Questions?
0: Dr. Greer, after that intro, absolutely. Let's
1: shoot, let's do it. <laughs> I gotta say, and we've never had a gold medalist here, so I'm just- oh, Thank you. And girl, in just a little bit. I'm super excited. Okay, let's get to it. Question number one, let's have some fun. This organization started after the acquittal of George Zimmerman in the shooting death of Trayvon Martin back in 2012. Its mission is to eradicate white supremacy and support black communities who are victims of violence. What is the name of this organization?
0: I have no idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the answer is Black Lives Matter.
0: Oh, okay, of course.
1: (laughs) So the phrase actually began as a hashtag and was used as a way to unite people on social media. The group continued to grow after the deaths of Michael Brown and Eric Garner in 2014 and exploded in popularity following the death of George Floyd in 2020. The organization spearheads demonstrations around the world, usually responding to police brutality and systemic racism. And they have offices in the United States, the United Kingdom and Canada. So, Cullen, after the death of George Floyd, I know you were instrumental in the response USA Swimming gave to the public. Can you tell us about how you were feeling at the time and why you thought it was important for the sport and its athletes not to stay silent?
0: Absolutely. You know, and it's funny because, as you said, the hashtag, I was like, yes, Black Lives Matter, of course. Um, and for me, it became very real for me because at that same time, my son was six months uh, old and I came out of my house and uh, <laughs> later than I expected because I was working and uh, I was walking my dog and a police uh, officer actually was driving down the street, whipped his car around uh, with the siren and came up to me and was like, you know, is everything okay? And um, I was actually living in my brother-in-law's house at the time, excuse me. And uh, he lives in a very nice area, very affluent area. Um, We have some nice cars in the driveway, but what really stuck out to me was my, I'm sure to him was my six foot five black frame. Um, And he started questioning me about my dog and all of thank God for my extensive knowledge of dogs. I really don't, Dr. Gurr have extensive knowledge, but here I am trying to make this officer feel comfortable with me being in this neighborhood when I'm doing nothing but walking my dog. Um, and then I started thinking about my six month old son sitting in his crib sleeping at that time that I would have to teach him how to disarm someone with a gun verbally. Um, and it just hit me and I was so upset. I was, you know, it was 24 hours after watching a man lynched, watching George Floyd and i said to myself there's something that i that i got to do something i know that swimming has given me a platform to use my voice i've been doing it for at that time 13 years about learning to swim with the mega splash initiative but there was something more i needed to do and so i called up all of the black swimmers that i knew like um you know sabir Muhammad, and, and all of these legendary swimmers and said we've got to do something we've got to do better we've got to do more and uh, we started team black which is essentially a, uh, council that actually helps with the, uh, USA Swimming's, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion group as just a council, you know, we have swam every life cycle. How do we make the sport more inclusive of what our country looks like it? I know swimming is a white dominated sport, but we can change that with some of the success that we've had with Simone Manuel, with Lee and with myself, with so many others, how do we change that? And so that's when, uh, I, I said no more. So long, I've been using my platforms to be kind of, you know, non-biased, but I couldn't stay silent anymore after that.
1: Yeah. And so you've been quite open about the racial gap in swimming. So tell us more about that. And you mentioned in, in passing the Splash Initiative um, yeah. and what it's like to be you know, quite successful in a sport that doesn't have a lot of people who look like you. You're excelling at the highest levels and you're also trying to bring in more people to the sport in what's sometimes not a, a welcoming environment.
0: Absolutely, you know, in 2008, um, you know, <laughs> as you can imagine, being uh, black in the Jersey, New York area in the, yes. the 90s, um, wearing a speedo, and we- while all your friends are playing basketball and football, I got I got hazed quite a bit. A little got some comments thrown at me a little bit. So. <laughs> You that's know, just, changed, yeah, Dr. Greer changes a little bit when you bring home gold medal. Then it's like, oh, right.
1: All, yes. is like, oh, that's
0: me on the balance Changes the whole narrative and changes everything that people say to you. But you know, right after that gold medal, uh, you know, one of my friends said, "Do you know what you just did for the sport of swimming?" And I had no idea what they meant by that. And I started to kind of do a little bit of research. But then USA Swimming Foundation and then uh, Philip sixty six approached me. And the University of UNLV and University of Memphis did a study, and the numbers were just astounding. Seventy percent at that at that time, seventy percent of African Americans didn't know how to swim, sixty percent of Latino Americans didn't know how to swim, and forty eight percent of Caucasians didn't know how to swim. So this was a U.S. cultural problem. Um, it was the the second leading um, second leading cause of death for kids under the 14 next to car crashes. But it's like, we don't see this every day, so a lot of people don't recognize it. Nearly 10 people drown a day. Like, these numbers are absolutely staggering. And the CDC sees it as an epidemic. And so it was that moment um, that I started saying, okay, this is this is how I can help. This is how I can help change things. So we started uh, the Make a Splash initiative, and we, we started touring in 2009. And- Drowning takes too many young lives. But it's totally preventable. Simon! Studies show that lessons reduce that risk by 88%.
1: Go to usaswimmingfoundation.org and enroll your child today.
0: We just celebrated 15 years this year, um, but the focus is really trying to to try to get more kids of all races and color, but definitely in the black community to learn to swim, because we've found out that generationally we can understand, given segregation and slavery, why there is a disproportionate number. But... In 2023, unfortunately, we as a as black Americans still say to ourselves, Oh, swimming, we don't do that, right? But me- meanwhile, we're likely to drown five times more than any other race, right? So, it's more about not thinking, Oh, we're cool because we don't do that, it's about saving lives, and so that's why, as you can tell, I'm passionate, Dr. Graham, passionate, I mean, about and,
1: this. you know, and I, I love this because you know, I took swim lesson, lessons when I was a kid, you know. Yeah. I grew up in the Philadelphia area, so you know, a little bit of PDR. I did a yeah. summer in the Philadelphia Department of Recreation, and obviously there's movies written about them. But um, right. over the course of, of our conversation, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into some of uh, these statistics and the work that you're doing. I mean, you are just not just talented as an Olympic gold medalist, but a real blessing when it comes to the black community and, and de- demystifying uh, some of the, the dangers of, of water and how we can actually, uh, as as a larger racial group, um, yeah. Actually, save lives, literally. Um, okay, so question number two. I feel, I feel this one's going to be a good one for you, Colin. You okay. ready? I'm okay. ready. This swimmer made history back in 2016 when she became the first Black woman to take home an Olympic gold medal in an individual swimming event. Who is she?
0: I'm going to go with Simone Manuel.
1: You are correct, Simone has. <laughs> five. You mentioned her in passing, so I was like, oh, I hope he gets this one. So Simone has. Five Olympic medals, two gold, two silver and one bronze. And she holds three world records as a member of a relay team. And she broke several school records while at Stanford University. So I know that Simone's an ambassador for the Make a Splash organization. I know you all came together uh, as a collective to make sure you educated uh, not just the black community, but um, young people writ large. But what are you all up to right now and for this summer that's coming up?
0: we are uh, traveling to Houston. We're traveling to uh, Lake Charles and Roxana, Illinois, to just try to spread that word and continue that 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 message. We know that once we get people to understand the importance, um, it changes lives, it changes the, fa- the family dynamic. And it really helps people from, uh, listen, we, we never say safe. We don't wanna say safe because as good of a swimmer as I am, if I'm caught in a riptide, that's going to be very difficult for me as well. So what we want to tell people is that be safer around the water. We want to help with swim lessons. We want to make sure that people are getting these swim lessons. And USA Swimming okay. Foundation and Phillips 66 have made it very easy just by going on to the website of usaswimming.org slash Splash or foundation, and you can learn how to get lessons in your uh, area because uh, we have local partners everywhere, or you can help someone else.
1: Give us that website one more time.
0: Yeah, it's usaswimming.org forward slash make a splash or you can go forward slash foundation either one works and you can find out more about how you can uh, sign up your child or another child you know because we all know somebody who doesn't know mm-hmm. how to swim and honestly this gift is is it's life-saving um' it's literally we are the only sport that exists that by doing this sport it will save your life
1: absolutely now I've read a story about you know you going to Dorney Park and I used to go to right. Dorney Park when yeah. I was a kid growing up in yeah. Philly. And so I read a story about, you know, you having uh, a really life changing uh, experience while in the water. Did you come from a family of swimmers or people who knew how to swim or uh, were you sort of the first one in your family to really um, get these lessons and take it seriously?
0: Well, I, I will say, I'll give my dad some credit. My dad did know how to swim. He could get across the pool pretty well. He wasn't doing flip turns or anything crazy like like I do, but he was definitely able to, to kind of keep himself above. My mom d- didn't know how to swim. And um, as you said, and I'm so happy you brought up PDR because um, Coach Ellis is a, is a big mentor to me. I love that guy. And PDR is, we, we swam against PDR. My team swam against them, but there was much love for Philly in New Jersey. So um, as you said, I was at Dorney Park, a uh, five-year-old, uh, only child with, with his parents. And my dad wanted to get on the biggest ride there. If he wanted to get on it, I want to get on it too. So I was very excited to, to hop on and, but I'd never had soul lessons. And so, uh, my dad went down the ride first, I went down second. And as he was handing the inner tube to the next person, cause it was the most popular ride um, I came down, flipped upside down and and was underwater. Now I'd never had swim lessons. I didn't know what to do. He only told me and made me promise to hold on to the inner tube. Whatever you do, don't let go. So I'm underwater holding on to this inner tube. And uh I think what's so important about the story is that there were lifeguards there, my parents were there, and so many times we think about it in 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 theater of the year, help, help, no, help. Like that's what we expect to hear when someone's drowning, but that's not what happens. Many times it's silent. People go underwater and then they're unable to come back up. And so uh, and don't even let me get on, uh, on cell phones. It, all it takes is one little ping of us not paying attention. And that's what my dad was doing. He was handing the inner, inner tube to someone else and didn't see me coming down. So that's why it's so important. Um, I had to be resuscitated that day. Um, but I remember my parents standing over me, Colin, are you okay? And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what's the next ride? Are we getting on? That's Dad, what, don't what leave What a me. ride.
1: <laughs> right. But I mean, I think that's such a uh, a pivotal moment in your life. And now fast forward 30 some odd years, you're able to help save so Uh, save so many other lives and educate so many people about it because it is you're you're absolutely correct we hear so much about like in the movies we see people quote-unquote drowning but honestly colin i think about all the athletes we hear every year who have private pools who lose children um in their private homes and it's tragedy after tragedy um and, and not just athletes just you know people in the country writ large and how um, it it is literally just a split second of not seeing something happen.
0: Absolutely, and and that's why it is so important that we try to not only teach our 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 kids. Because I gave my mom. I'm not going to tell her age because
1: black don't crack doesn't matter
0: yeah, i ain't gonna do that because then i'm gonna have to deal with it um but she is learning to swim she's learning right now um and you, it, it does not matter what your age is it is important to learn to swim um we are not built for the water but we can be okay. safer on the water with formal lessons so i don't want to hear it because i know someone's right. going to give me some excuse so they, when <laughs> they will watch this and say oh well i am allergic to no
1: no, and it's like, you know what? And there's enough protective styles for, for our hair that we can figure it out. There's good conditioners. I just, before we go to question number three, I just pity the the teacher where it's just like, so wait, your son is Cullen Jones? Like I'm supposed to teach Cullen Jones' mama how to swim? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> okay, Cullen, you ready for question number three? You're I am. It. Okay, question number three in the blackest question. History was made during the 2023 NFL draft Okay. When three of the four overall picks were black quarterbacks, the number one pick went to the Carolina Panthers. Who is this football player?
0: Oh, my goodness. You're getting me because I just saw him actually do it. do <laughs> oh, give it to me.
1: Okay. It's Bryce Young.
0: Hey, that's right.
1: Bryce Young was a star uh, at the University of Alabama. I know. Listen, listen, Colin. Every time I play this game, you know, I played it with my podcast siblings, Panama yeah. Jackson and Michael Harriet. I'm I've been O for ten. Okay, uh, it's only <laughs> the tip of the It's like this is why I would like to be on the other side asking the questions. But Bryce Young was a star at the University of Alabama and won the league's top honor in 2021 when he took home the Heisman Trophy. And after being drafted, Young said he was grateful to the other Black players he called pioneers saying so many black men have been overlooked throughout the years. And so Bryce Young grew up loving basketball and actually started his football career playing at the running back position before switching to quarterback. Now, as you know, I grew up in Philly, so I grew up in the Randall Cunningham era, Uh uh, black quarterbacks. And in my household, it's like, you know, we supported black quarterbacks and black coaches. But I know you went to North Carolina State University in Raleigh. Are you a Panthers fan?
0: Look. I grew up, in, good. Good. I, I am a Panthers fan now because I've become friends with quite a few Panther players, but I'm still a Giants fan. I grew up in New York, Jersey area. I can't give up my Giants. That's
1: right. <laughs> and listen, and the Giants are looking good. At some point, yep. as, as a uh, a payback appreciation for you coming on the podcast, we'll go to a Giants game. We'll take oh. your son, we'll take your wife, oh, we'll have great. a whole a whole um, Blackest Questions day of, of celebrating the Giants because I do enjoy <laughs> watching the Giants. So... I know you
0: are an Olympic swimmer, as all of our listeners know.
1: What other sports do you enjoy watching or even playing?
0: Definitely watching my Knicks. Okay. I'm watching Jimmy Butler is uh, not not being too nice to us right now, but uh-huh. it's okay. It's all right. Um, I call but,
1: Jimmy me, Butler zero percent body fat. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm where, exactly where? Where?
0: The Knicks in the playoffs again. It's yes. been a while since John Starks and Patrick Ewing. I'm happy to see us back in in the uh in the playoffs so I I, I'm a happy Knicks fan right now okay Um, yeah I love playing basketball my dad was a basketball player wanted me to be a basketball player and I I mean six foot
1: five I I see why why yeah
0: I'm a little um (laughs) it helps with swimming too it helps with swimming Mm -hmm. too I reach for that wall but uh basketball is definitely something that I love to play um I like boxing honestly Mm -hmm. that was my cross training and it's kind of become something that has been a little bit of a uh uh, not an obsession, but I, I definitely enjoy it. Um, do you find the core used,
1: strength helps you with swimming?
0: 100%. And that was what was the biggest piece that my coach actually introduced it to me and said, we're going to do some boxing, just some of the, t- the core technique things. And it kind of threw me for the first, you know, I would say six months I was doing it. But then when I got in the water, I realized, you know, the core strength is, is really, uh, it was really transferable over to swimming as well. And then I just never stopped, so I love it. <laughs>
1: well, you know, Colin, I went boxing a few times. I hang out with a lot of comedians, and a lot yeah. of them box. So I, I went with a, a friend, and, you know, they're all, you know, sparring. And so the, the teacher was like, wait, I don't think you have a core. And I was like, I don't know, like who knows? I haven't played field hockey and lacrosse since high school. Yeah. And so he basically was like, no, I need to have you do some drills because if not, you're going to hurt yourself. Like right. there's literally nothing holding your body together right now. Oh, yeah. He literally oh, yeah. had me jumping, you know, you jump from the ground up to the boxing ring. So that oh, yeah. kind of, what is it, like a two or three foot jump? Yep. And so I was like, okay. And he's like, just do that. And I was like, well, how long? And he's like. Till I come back and get you. He was Just like, we need to work on this. He was like, I don't know what is holding you together, but it ain't muscle. All right. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm with Olympic gold medalist Cullen Jones, and we're playing the blackest Question. Okay, we're back. I'm here with Cullen Jones. Cullen, you're doing incredibly well. Are you ready for question number four in the Blackest Questions?
0: I'm trying. I'm trying. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm ready for war. Let's go. And
1: as I say every episode, Cullen, Black history is American history. And so we just want our listeners to know a little bit more beyond kind of what is, you know, the the little sprinklings of black history that we're taught in school. Um, I think it's just so important for them to know who you are as a swimmer, you and your colleagues, but also all the great ways that we contribute to American and international society beyond what is often talked about. So question number four, this former civil rights activist, was once a swimmer at Howard University. He went on to become a United States congressman and the mayor of Atlanta. Who is he?
0: And the mayor of Atlanta. And a swimmer. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you gotta be stumped here.
1: Okay, it's Andrew Young. <laughs> So Andrew Young That's was a who pastor I was
0: keeping too, but I wasn't. I didn't know that he was the mayor of Atlanta. That's what yeah. was throwing me off. Okay, at
1: one he's part of the long lineage of black mayors yeah. in Atlanta. But when he was a pastor, he met fellow clergyman Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The two yes. became fast friends and remained close until Dr. King's assassination. Right. Young eventually got into politics and was the first black person to be appointed as an ambassador to the United Nations. In 1981, he was encouraged by his friend Coretta Scott King to run for mayor of Atlanta, which he did. He won 55 percent of the vote. Later in 1996, he was the co-chairman of the Summer Olympics Committee and is credited with helping to bring the games to Atlanta. And shout out to Howard University's men's swimming team, who won the conference championship this year for the first time in 34 years. So and and I know Howard University has a a long legacy of of great swimmers. So have you had a chance to meet Andrew Young?
0: I did have a, a, an opportunity back like? in 2012. That's why I'm so embarrassed that I didn't know the, the Atlanta piece is what threw me off. But yes, I had a, I had an, an amazing opportunity to sit down with him and just what an amazing, uh, conversation, but just like, I just, I picked up so many nuggets from him. He just kept telling me stories about what he was going to do. He swam. Oh yeah, I swam. And, and it was, that's why I, I would, the connection was there. But, um, I've gotten to meet him. It was such a pleasure uh, to sit down and, and to chat with him and, and to tell, for him to say your history. I'm like, no, 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 sir, you are history. I'm just trying to continue what you've paved. So um, it, it was definitely a blessing getting to meet him.
1: Yeah, and so, and when you're when you're thinking back on your Olympic run, uh, you know, and you're part of this historic relay team of all time, um, and you're on a team with three white men. Uh-huh. What do you think it'll take to really diversify the sport where it's not just three white men and one one black man and it it could look like the United Nations in the pool on one team together? What do you think we really need to do to continue to diversify the sport?
0: I think representation is everything, um, (laughs) you know, when we got together for team black and everyone was kind of sitting around, you know, for me looking at just the generations, this was during COVID. So (laughs) we were all on zoom. So I was looking at boxes, but to be able to see all of the faces that were, that were on that call was, it was amazing. And to think about my son, I'm like, how do I get this sport to look like what I'm seeing right here? my son, who's been in the water since six months, is like, Daddy, we going swimming today? Daddy, we going to swimming today? And so I don't want him to feel what I felt many times when it came to the racial disparity, especially when I got into uh, higher levels of swimming. And I think a lot of it is, again, representation. Um, we are seeing it going in the right direction. I've got to tell you, we've got some amazing talents in Natalie Hine and Shane Cassis and Reese Whitley. There's There's a lot of very, very promising swimmers that are coming up that are that are just going to really make a name for themselves, even in next year's Paris Olympics, but definitely when it comes back to LA in 2028. So we're trending in the right uh direction. Uh we've seen it in 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 um, in tennis with Venus and Serena. We've seen it in golf with Tiger. I picked up my clubs was not very good, but I watched him do it. So I tried it too. So representation is huge, but the other piece is education. Um, we need to educate parents that not only, again, is swimming a great sport, but it is a life skill. And then really getting them, getting more and more swimmers or people of color to become swimmers, and then look at swimming as something that could get them out of their circumstance. I grew up in the hood. And for me, Swimming was just an outlet. I would have never guessed that I could have traveled the world with swimming. That just wasn't on my mind. But I never had someone to look to. So I'm hoping that young swimmers can look at people like Simone or me or, you know, Shane Cassis or Natalie Hine and say, oh, you know what? Not to take anything from other sports. We like football, basketball. We like track. But there are other routes, too, that you can travel the world and just be super successful, hyper successful.
1: Time for a quick break. We'll be right back. You ready for your last proper question?
0: I'm ready for my last proper question.
1: Okay. This hip hop group from the Bronx was okay. the first hip hop group to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who are they?
0: From the Bronx?
1: From the Boogie Down.
0: Boogie Down. Ah, where's K R S one from? Where is he from? Uh Uh-oh. My
1: audience is going to Chrissy, you should know that. Well, I don't (laughs) see. I'm like, right?
0: Uh, I don't know. Who who is it?
1: Okay. It's Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Well. so the group was formed in 1978 in South Bronx, South, South Bronx, and their song, The Message, was selected by the Library of Congress to be one of the first 50 songs to be added to the National Recording Registry in its first year of archival. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> and the group is also credited as being the first to use the term MC, Master of Ceremonies. So I know you were born in the Boogie Down, but so you was. moved to New Jersey when you were still very young. Do you remember any of your time in New York City?
0: Oh, all the time. So my family, uh, when my mom and my dad, we moved to Jersey, all of the rest of my family was still in New York. So most of my weekends were in New York. We okay. would take the train in, uh, and that's why it's it's my favorite place. It is still home to me whenever I get off the plane and walk into through LaGuardia or whatever whatever airport. I'm like, yes, I'm home. I can feel it every time I come home.
1: <laughs> you can feel it. Now, what's your favorite thing to do in New York? Is it just to hang out with your family at home? Or do you actually, you know, do you swim in the Hudson like some people? Do you go to oh. a particular pool? Like, you know, do you go to the beaches?
0: I mean, there's so many beautiful beaches people are gonna in New York party. City. No, the first thing you do is get pizza. You got to <laughs> get a slice. Got to get a slice. You got to get a slice. Now, what kind of
1: slice do you get,
0: though? So normally, I mean, I just, like, listen, cheese, you're on some Jimmy Butler zero body fat kind no, of thing no, no, no. right now. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I'll work it all. I'll go swim, but I'm gonna get that slice. So okay, I, I'll do pepperoni. I'll do cheese, and then okay. people gonna make fun of me for this. I like pepperoni and broccoli pizza. Mm, Salad. It is amazing. Salad. And there's a spot called Carve. It's actually, and a lot of times when I fly in, I'm usually somewhere around um, Times Square, even though I'd rather not be. I usually go to this place called Carve and I will get a pepperoni and broccoli pizza and I am. Okay. I will get.
1: Now see, I'm, uh, if I'm doing pepperoni, I'm doing like a pepperoni green pepper or I'm okay. doing like a sausage and mushroom.
0: Oh, I can definitely do that too. Oh Like yes. those are
1: sort of my two and like, you know, there's nothing like a good slice,
0: you yeah. know, and
1: I'm also though, I do prefer a thin crust as opposed to the sort of more Chicago. I went to high school in, in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer that to like a, a deep
0: dish type stuff. Okay, here we go. New York, uh huh. Detroit, Chicago. Okay. Sorry, don't. I know I'm gonna get it in the message boards. I know, but that that's the level. I'm sorry. No,
1: here's here's a question.
0: Wait, uh, Does St.
1: Louis pizza rank
0: anywhere for you? Oh, I do like St. Louis pizza too.
1: Yeah, I mean those St. Louis pizza folks, I I mean, they're serious they're about like emos and all this other stuff. But like, I feel like they've got some solid pizza. I they just do I have love some a really pizza. good. I really love a good thing, New
0: York's going to win. New York, no. New York visa, no
1: hands it. down. You got hands it. Down. Now, here's <laughs> a question, though. Are you the type of person to swim in, in the Hudson?
0: No, I'm with you, Dr. Ugh. Greer. I, I look for a black line at the bottom of the pool. Like, everyone's like, okay. hey, Dylan, why don't you swim in this open water? And like, and I will do it if it's for a charity because okay. it's for a charity and it's usually to help others, but not by choice. No, 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 okay. no, no. I, I respect the ocean. I love it, but... I stick to my pool.
1: <laughs> OK. So, Cullen, before I'm just I am so thoroughly enjoying talking to you. I mean, what you're doing is just so exciting. So before we get to the Black Lightning Round, I want to share a couple of statistics with our listeners. And you've mentioned them before, but I want to go back over them. So Sorry. according to the CDC, Black Americans drown at a rate 50 percent higher than white Americans. And as you mentioned earlier, USA Swimming reports nearly 70 percent of Black children can't swim. So to our parents who are listening to this podcast. To anyone else who's listening who's interested, what are some tips or things you'd like them to know as their kids are swimming and getting ready to get into the water this
0: summer? Absolutely. So the first thing, there is no substitute for formal lessons. Go, I I don't care where you go, go learn to swim. Have someone that is accredited that knows how to teach and will teach you some lessons. When I nearly drowned at five, I went through five different teachers. So I understand. I completely sympathize with Uh, everyone that's out there that says, you know, I'm scared, I've had bad experience. Being near water, we need to be safer around the water. So that is the first thing. The second thing is you never swim alone, ever. Even as an Olympian, I never swim alone. I always make sure that there's a lifeguard there, there's someone else there, and always have a friend. It's even more fun when you can have someone around you that that you know to be around you. And the third thing is... um, when we have people that are unfortunately in distress, I don't care if it's my mom. If she needs to catch, get air, and I try to jump in to try to help her, her first natural instinct is to push me under. So <laughs> it is to throw something to someone and pull them to safety, or if I'm holding on to something, reach to pull them to safety, but you never jump in without anything else to try to help someone else. So you you reach, don't go. <laughs>
1: right. Wow. That. I mean, I think that that information is incredibly important because I think for so many of us, the natural inclination to say, I see someone I love in distress or I see a stranger in yes. distress and we hear a tragic story. You know, in New York, we always have a lifeguard shortage. And unfortunately, yeah. every summer we hear terrible stories about people running into the ocean to try and save someone and, and things going south really quickly. OK, right. so before I let you out of here, we're going to play the Black Lightning round. Now this, Cullen, there's no right or wrong answer. You just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind and to your heart. You ready? Uh, yes. Who is your favorite all-time
0: athlete? Michael Jordan.
1: Would you rather swim in a pool or in nature?
0: Uh, in the pool.
1: One of these shows has to go. Martin, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Jamie Foxx Show.
0: Come on now. I, I didn't <laughs> say it was going to be easy. Got it. Uh, I'm sorry because I met him and he is such a good guy. But sorry, Jamie. I can't let go of Fresh okay. Prince of Martin.
1: Are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. Okay. What's your favorite race to swim? Or your, maybe your favorite stroke?
0: Uh, 50 freestyle is definitely my favorite. Okay. One I now. used to love uh, uh, the backstroke. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry? I used to love the
0: backstroke. Oh, I love watching it. It just mm. it, and I started off as a backstroker, but and I love watching butterfly. I love well, see, watching I, it. doing it. Butterfly
1: gives me agita. I don't enjoy watching butterfly. It's too much for me. It's, it's like too much water. Porn. It's the core. Oh, you know what? That's my my spirit. Is like, <laughs> Girl, it's like girls. Too much work. Get out of there. Okay, what's your favorite guilty pleasure when you're not training? What kind of snack do you sneak in and you can't get enough?
0: Uh, ice cream for sure.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, well, what's Mr. your flavor?
0: Uh, Honestly, it doesn't matter. I'm like oh, mint chocolate chip. You're one chip, of those ice cream be? people. like swirl. I'll do a swirl. I love chocolate and vanilla together.
1: Okay. Now, see, I am, I've had the same favorite flavor since I was eight years old, cookies okay. and cream. I'm like a cookies oh, and cream connoisseur. Well, yeah. Of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Last question. Do you actually eat Wheaties?
0: Do I actually eat Wheaties? I used to, yes. I used to <laughs> actually eat Wheaties.
1: Oh, Cullen Jones, I am is so... You're on, yeah. Is this why you're
0: asking? Hold on, Is this why you're asking? Is that
1: it? I, I mean, <laughs> I just, you know, for our listeners <laughs> to the podcast, um, when you show up on a Wheaties box, <laughs> I got to be curious as to whether or not you eat the Wheaties, right? I mean, gotta get the Wheaties. not everybody is on a Wheaties box. I'm sitting here talking to an Olympic athlete. I want to thank you, Cullen Jones, for joining us and playing The Blackest Questions with thank us. Thank you for me. I want to thank you all, listeners, for tuning in to The Blackest Questions. This show is produced by Sasha Armstrong and Jeffrey Trudeau, and Regina Griffin is our director of podcasts. If you like what you heard, subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode, and you can find more from the Grio Black Podcast Network on the Grio app, the website, and YouTube. We started this podcast to talk about not just what Black writers write about, but how. Well, personally, it's on my bucket list to have one of my books banned. (laughs) I know that's probably bad, but I think spicy. spicy. They were yelling, N-word, go home. And I was looking around for the N-word because I knew it couldn't be me because I was a queen.
0: (laughs) But I am telling people to quit this mentality of identifying ourselves by our work. To start to live our lives. And to redefine the whole concept of how we work and where we work and why we work in the first place.
1: My, my biggest strength throughout, throughout my career has been having incredible mentors and specifically Black
0: women. You know, I've been writing poetry since I was like eight. You know, I've been reading Langston Hughes and James Baldwin and Maya Angelou and so forth and so on since I was like a little kid. Like the banjo was
1: Blackly Black, right? Mm-hmm. For many 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 years everybody knew because sometimes i'm just doing some sam that (laughs) because i just want to do
0: it honor to be here thank you for doing the work that you're doing keep shining bright and we and and like you said we gonna keep writing black
1: as always you can find us on the Grio app or wherever you find your podcasts